relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. What's up, Billy? Hey, man. How are you? Oh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling festive. It's the holiday season approaching. We got new mics we're working on tonight, doing a special one. They're uh, girthy. They're for sure girthy. Yep, just immediately. Just immediately <laughs> right in the gutter to something awful. Um, I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong, they are. But the way the way you said it, made that word different <laughs> it's the earth part of yeah, that yeah <laughs> well there's a glee in there too that wasn't oh man that last week's podcast was was great i people liked it i think people wanted to hear more they definitely were like so what's up with this dude what's yeah, going on the legend, oh you're talking legends. about me i didn't know if i was waiting until you guys got to me or no something, but <laughs> oh, you're no. talking about me. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> no, you were the opposite of who we're talking about because you immediately started talking. That is not who we're talking about. We were talking about our lovely buddy Nando from last week's episode, but now we have our buddy Justin on this episode. That I've barged into. No, that was perfect. It was literally perfect. Because you are the opposite of what Nando was. Like, Nando was, we were just like, say anything. And he was like, die. Yeah, I've been trying not to. And we're like, that's that's fair. There's a lot of trauma associated with that, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, once we heard other, because we just thought, okay, maybe, like, he just had these, like, kind of boring experiences. And then later, other people were like, did he tell you this, this, and this? And we we're like, fuck, no, he didn't tell us that. <laughs> but now that you say trauma, like some of it is like that, makes, <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know. I mean, when you're, when you're helpless to do something, like speak what you want to, that alone is just like this restrictive, oppressive thing that really will weigh down on you, especially when these, these dudes did it for like a decade or more. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how much still. Like, I know whenever a cop's behind most people, they're like, oh, shit, what's going on? What's happening type of thing. But the way that it does it for my brain is insane, where I'm just like, okay, how many pounds do I have on me right now? What's going on? How many pounds do I have at home? And I'm like, you don't. You're in the rec market now. They're all state mandated and locked in a state in a safe that the state made you do. So you're fine. You're okay. But how many pounds do you have right now? Like completely dried and cured or what? Because we have at least 50 pounds that are dry right now. That's just gotten through testing and then hanging it's a few kids worth that's all you need to say whether you're talking about goats or humans it's a few kids worth it's a few kids worth yeah and then that's yeah. called hyper vigilance mike that uh, everything you just described that's like a significant symptom associated with trauma i'm reading about it in this book called waking the tiger and uh i think that it needs to be mandatory reading for anybody who's really ever had trauma but probably anybody because 
then everybody would be like, whoa, this is what this shit does to people because we're not really that far from like those fucking weird little orangutans over there. Yeah. We're still just responding to shit that happens in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> or we yeah. really, we're not usually good at it now because of all this shit. So but anyway, it's hypervigilance, man. That's a, it's an anxiety thing and it, it comes out as hypervigilance. It can come out as other things too, like dissociation, uh, anger. I, I got all of that. That's fun. But with all that great knowledge, you being... for sure have trauma. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just the stories you tell me in the truck when we're going places. I'm like, I just get him out, man. Get it out. Just talk, man. Just let it, it out. It doesn't need to be, here's, need here's to be in that belly though. anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> Here, here's something about that, about trauma. If if you're ever having a good time, like Mike was just laughing, so which may be easy. I don't know, B-Dub. Like you do it regularly. So, But either way, he's laughing. And so anytime you're laughing, you can just remember that that's like a reminder. It's like you're if you're in the experience of having that thing, then everything that has ever happened to you led to that moment of you having that good moment so that includes every fucked up thing whether it was like someone was like oh you've got interesting eyebrows when you're like 14 or something and then you know whatever the fuck has ever happened whether it's like mundane or actual real like more than the average human experience trauma all that shit still is the all the culmination of that is a beautiful moment when that moment happens i do that for i try to make that for a living i try to take all the terrible things that have happened to me and be like in front of people just be like hey you want to hear some funny shit and then i talk about the worst things that have ever happened to me because they do i think a lot of it 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 sticks in your crawl because it's just ingrained in there so for me the way i have to go about stuff is like right at it that's that hillbilly bullshit is just like, hey, why we got a problem? Let's fix it. That's why I did not. I've said, that's why Seattle, Washington was a there's a culture shock there because because they were like, why are you looking at me and talking about me? <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna talk about our problem, and then they're like, no, we don't do that. We just let it go for years, and we we just kind of we'll just vaguely say some cunty shit along the way. And I was oh. just like, oh, you know, well, yeah, Mike lives in Eugene. He's... Yeah, I'm an East Coast transplant in Eugene. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> do you, is there, do you is... think that to be a comic, you have to be good at observing and like understanding human behavior? Or is that a function of it? No, I think to be a good comic, you should be good at it. Yeah. But because you at least have to realize it's absurd so that you can talk about it or something well i think some people okay whoa this is a fun episode it's um, already we're getting into it we haven't even told them who the hell look, we don't need to do all that we don't like small talk we want to find out what you're passionate about and start talking about that shit that's who cool cares about what the fuck else it is i'm not I, <laughs> well that's can i say this too about small talk that's i had this thought the other day Cause somebody was like, I'm good at small talk. I'm like, no, everyone's good at small talk. You enjoy it. And that makes you a psychopath. 
That's where you're aware. Or incredibly anxious because you don't want anything to go beyond that. <laughs> yes, that too. Yes. But also, when like, I'm good at small talk. You're like, no, everyone's good at it. That's why if you can do it. Everyone uh, does. It's I don't like, think I'll like it very much. I don't I think I can do it anymore. I can't stand it. Dude, I almost died. I don't have time for small talk. There's so much other shit to do, like look outside. So if I'm small talking, then I'm not, you know. I'll walk away from stuff. Like while they're talking, I just I'm well, saying, I, I mean I, I don't mean, I want to do your thing, but I do have too. that Hopefully. time thing where it's like, no, what you're saying is I don't care. I live in Hollywood, so fuck them. Um, before sorry, we get anywhere because this <laughs> is an amazing conversation to start off, and these conversations are always this amazing. We should introduce our friend who's on the podcast. I thought we did, but that's okay. We said Justin, but. My I mean, name is Justin Lassick. I'm a Green Beret. I stepped on an IED in the beginning of 2019, so it hasn't quite been two years. explosive device. Yeah, so I stepped <laughs> on a bomb. It blew my legs off of my testicles and shot into my gooch. Uh, my penis is still there, and it still works for all the things it needs to, so... Yeah. I got blown up, had a long recovery uh, re- through that, realized there's a bunch of emotional health problems, having a bunch of ingrained trauma from uh, not only getting blown up, but in the moment that I thought I was going to finally die that I deserved to. And so that was uh, something to deal with. But uh, I'm, I'm like, I have my papers to get out of the military and uh, just hanging out with these guys and going to learn to grow cannabis because um i see it as something i'll do all the research on like uh plant medicine to include psychedelics tryptamine based psychedelics and the and cannabis and so this podcast actually taught me a lot about that and then uh b-dub and i have like a mutual friend uh that that i uh went on tour with he's a musician named sturgill simpson and so that is what led us to become chatty with each other and then i started listening to the podcast and i was like man i'm learning a lot about this from like a kind of I use it for contemplative stuff because I am prescribed uh, THC and uh, you can do a lot of stuff with meditation, but I'm also learning a lot about the potential of the other portions of the plant, the, the terpenes that are bringing out the endocannabinoids that are going to, which will influence the, the experience itself, but more importantly, it's satisfying those receptors of the endocannabinoids and not just pounding them with THC. So that's kind of the stuff that I'm uh, interested in because when uh, I see a bunch of my friends uh, the ones that are still living that, uh, you know, go through different emotional health issues or the ones that, uh, end up just drinking and either if they're still alive or not, I've, you know, I've had friends get addicted to meth and almost kill themselves and then they got clean. And, uh, it's, uh, a pretty nasty thing to have your culture only drink and support it. And then also be prescribed narcotics, and uh, the guys are all fucked up and they can't sleep. And then they're just taking Ambien and more narcotics and drinking in order to sleep. And then they don't sleep. And then you cognitively devolve. And uh, so the, all this shit needs to be legal. The drug war is retarded. The 1970s Substance Abuse Act is stupid. So this is coming from the background. Like I, I, I read up on like the history of the drug war. I don't say even marijuana anymore because it was fucking racist. 
yeah <laughs> so like, i only say cannabis so so anyway that's kind of my background briefly i have a, a whole different life before the army i was a strength and conditioning guy at this website 70sbig.com uh but uh so, so some people know me from that uh and then i joined the army became a green beret and was in like eight years and then uh getting out and i'm not ever fucking working for anybody ever fucking again so also yeah. i'm pretty spiteful because i got dicked over and I think that everyone in my chain of command is a pretty big coward, or at least they don't oh, lack man. the ability and the the willingness or capability in order to fucking do something about really anything for me. But uh, so that's kind of the gist on me. Like I go, I vacillate, I meditate like almost three hours a day, but I vacillate between like a contemplative practice that is trying to have compassion for all humanity. And that's split with uh, an intense burning rage. <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's life that's the i was gonna say this sounds like you're pretty alive so it's kind of like i'm just living in a psychedelic trip that's just flying back and forth in the room i guess (laughs) Mm -hmm. well i mean ultimately that is what life is and that's how you can understand both sides of the coin because you know you can't understand peace without you know war to a certain extent but you know that's that's a way to look at it, Mike, because otherwise <laughs> it doesn't fucking make any sense. <laughs> well, you have to. You have to yeah. look at it like that. Or I'll tell you guys what. I, I say this like every time I talk about this process, but uh, after my first deployment, I was in as the small amount of com- time that I was in combat. I was in a decent amount of it. There have been people that have done more things, or you know, killed more people, or medics that have saved more people. So I don't think I'm cool by any means. But I was in a decent amount of combat on my first trip. I think I, you are. Yeah, I was gonna say we think you're cool. <laughs> we'll appreciate it. Um, uh, I just have some friends that were in other units for a long time and they did a lot of stuff so it's like when you comp- <laughs> but i also don't have my legs or my balls so fucked up. Uh, but when i was li- when we were leaving uh at the time secretary of defense mattis was in country and he in person talked to a collection of special forces guys and rangers and one of the things he said was uh please uh try to don't don't look at this as something that is like a painful experience that makes you hate humanity instead try to find the post-traumatic growth in it and find how to use this to become a more compassionate human being and uh so i was at uh, just getting into the point of like stepping up a little bit of meditation stuff it was more low-key stuff like headspace and then journaling more after this deployment but i it kind of led me to that like okay let me try and figure out what the fuck what value that experience can be uh because there was a lot of excitement at that point i still had legs so i i had i almost died uh legitimately like four or five times and uh like like where something like an rpg goes like a, a foot over my head and stuff and uh so it, him saying that was kind of like a catalyst that was art something that i was already like f- needing to do because of just like how my emotional health was uh i mean i was i'm an expert compartmentalizer i uh <laughs> i treated myself when i got blown up like that i had this moment of panic where i was screaming help to one of my friends and they put tourniquets there's three guys that put tourniquets on me initially and they said i went calm and i just started telling everybody what to do and i couldn't talk very well because it was incredible pain and it was like i don't know it probably some sort of shock but like when the next medic got to me the like the same as my job at green beret 
he said my heart rate was like 60. And usually when you get shocky, your heart rate gets like 120. <clears throat> so I wasn't in shocky in shock yet, but like, I don't know. I don't know why it was that low. I don't think I was dying right then. Uh, but I was calm and I told them where the blood was, who had it. I had this interpreter had it. We got that. I was like, put a saline lock. I need T we have this drug TXA. It's an anti thrombolytic. It just stops clots from breaking down. It doesn't matter, but we push it as a flush into an IV so that then you can follow it up with like pushing blood behind it. Cause we carry blood on objective with us. So if I, if we didn't have that, I'd be dead. So that was one of the things that would, but, I'd like uh, I'd like that that's your version of compartmentalizing when my version of compartmentalizing is like I'm not going to tell them I already had fast food for dinner tonight. Oh, let me be clear, Mike, like, like I <laughs> divorced. <laughs> let me just be clear, I'm divorced. So you did it, tell it, us, it, you jackass. <laughs> it bled into <laughs> it bled into other parts of life. <laughs> but that's just like a weird version of it. I don't know if you got if you got the story, you might as well use it. For sure, no. But like, it is interesting that like even in some things that you know, <laughs> Bill is laughing. It's so funny. <laughs> but also, it is the same maneuver you're doing with your brain. And let me be clear: if you do that, it's like you take whatever that is and you put it on the shelf and somewhere in your mind, your consciousness. And then it becomes a piece of coal. And then mm -hmm. you run into the situation where you have a house full of that shit, and then it all burns the fuck down. So yeah, it's not fun. It's better, it's better not to do that. Is <laughs> the is at least one very easy, maybe if you're high lesson to get, yeah, don't maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> and like but but at least yours was like, I'm gonna put this piece of coal here for a second so that I can make sure I survive this. Mine is just like filled with like I'm gonna lie about eating two dinners in one night and stuff <laughs> like that. Well it also has to do with like how you deal with trauma, but how you train to deal with trauma. Because I had like had mentally and like I don't know, maybe I didn't understand it at the time, but maybe soulfully like wanted to be the active participant when there were worst case scenarios. It's like why I did this job was yeah. that was like a concept, a construct that was important to me when I started doing it all. And I and I did that. Like I believe that there are decisions I made that the reason I didn't die or other people didn't die in the situations and that led to success. So um I was fortunate to do that and then I was able to uh I've worked in the hospital too. So I've lost a variety of patients and then, you know, got to help patients and help or help kids in Afghanistan and stuff. So, um, yeah, there was a, it's a wild array of emotions to go through and not really know what the fuck emotions are as you're doing it. And then learning that shit later and then having to unpackage all that shit all the way back to where you first started forming memories which, by the way, my first memory ever was watching Star Wars A New Hope and the Battle of Hoth in the beginning in the snow. That's my first memory of life. Oh, that's <laughs> as a, a conscious one. As a conscious being. I, I love that movie. And especially, like, Hoth and everything. Fuck yeah, it made me realize how much I love snow. Um, Snow's the best. It really is. Every, got a lot outside. I know. Every time <sighs> you send us a picture, I'm like, god damn it. Damn it. I want to go hang out on I mean, this I have back a palm deck. tree in my front yard, so I'm not bitching. I just like <laughs> snow, too. I get it. <laughs> I got a bunch of blackberry that gets rained on a bunch, so fuck both of you. <laughs> That's awesome, too. Do you make That's anything cool. out of it? 
the blackberries so here's the weird thing is i'm not a fan of blackberries raspberries anything that has that weird textural thing to it well no make a, a compote and that's a good put one. it in a put it in a pot add some water mash it up and then add a little honey and cinnamon and then you just saute or simmer that just, shit for i don't just know like three until cups you think of it's sugar. done sugar three cups of sugar on top of it for the compote. whatever you want to do mike but it'll it'll taste good <laughs> <laughs> put on some fucking waffles after you you know if you guys I, got a sweet bong i would hit that and then eat waffles with compote on top if i would want everyone alive to be able to do something like that <laughs> well no that is like so that is the first plant that i ever ate something off of you know um so i know what? was that confusing to you billy it, it's always confusing every what, time what, I what did you that. say <laughs> i don't so know it was the first time that I ate anything off of a plant. Um, it was like you like licking it off the plant, like, like actually taking it off of the plant and then putting it in your mouth. It. Okay, yeah. okay. No middleman, no nothing, just straight, straight from source. Because you know, growing up on the East Coast, everything's you know you get at a supermarket. Everything's yeah. you know. I'm sure that's different in other areas, but that's work. interesting. So you were like, what you're like 20 or some shit you were like older when you did this yeah yeah like 22 yeah i we had green beans in the garden when i was like two or three so when i had like a little mario lunchbox and i picked them shits and eat them fresh green that beans sounds, are the shit well and that's why i think that you know there are like weird textural things where i'm just like i don't know that's why i think especially in cities and other areas like that i think it would be a great foundation to teach kids how to actually farm and eat something off of a plant and you know what i bet mike i bet it's possible for a person to do a psychedelic experience with the intention of exploring textures of foods and Ooh. i bet it can rewire shit in the brain because i've heard some fucking weird stories anecdotally and in the research where like people mostly anecdotally for this one that people get over a pet allergy i mean paul stamets says he fucking lost his stutter after he did a bag of mushrooms and climbed a tree in a lightning storm when he's a teenager on the back of the head and yeah paul, like uh but anyway the point is, is i bet that can be a thing i mean it's literally it's got an 80 an over 80 percent success rate in the cessation of nicotine addiction with one you i think just one use and you know what nicorette gum is it's like 33 percent or some shit it's like so, something down in 27 or 33 percent is nicorette gums efficacy or the patch so yeah, anyway my, my point in that is that i bet you the tryptamine psychedelics if you were to consume whatever like get good versions of those fruits i wonder if you ate them on like a, a perception changing state if it would do anything or if you'd be grossed out <laughs> i'm just Which gonna have to try it out else. I, <laughs> I know when i had my son my first son like i had a weak stomach before that about like gross stuff and then since then like nothing really fucks really all. like nothing so you're talking about when you saw the birth I mean, that was part of it, but then, like, just handling so much just weird oh. shit. And oh, like diapers. And then, like, like, yeah, like, my wife now with our new son, there's been a couple times I just see her face, and, I like, it confused me at first, where I'd be like, <laughs> 
Like, what the hell is your... Pro oh, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of this. So, I didn't even... <laughs> so, yeah, there's, like, one night. That makes me laugh, too. Because we were talking about... I think we were talking about this the other night, just when we were hanging, is that uh, when you have your second child, it really is similar to when you're tripping. Because there's, like, parts of it that you forget because you need to forget those parts or you would never really fuck with it again ever. But when it starts happening, it's there. So if you've done it before, so you're like, Oh, this is what this is. We're fine. We don't have to panic or anything. It's just like a change. And she's going to be mean for a little bit, <laughs> but that's what this is. And she's going to say stuff that you really wish you would not say, cause it is hurtful. Um, but in like 10 minutes, you know, as far as like a trip's concerned, she's going to be awesome again and she's going to be glowing. And that's what it is, is that, but so it's, it was like so easy to me, the second one for whatever reason. I mean, she did a lot of yoga she did most of it, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, as far as like, she grew the new, the new living thing <laughs> yeah she did the whole she did like the you know the i mean the wouldn't it be weird if she wasn't cantankerous during that though like there's a literal fucking thing developing yeah. her that is gonna have a conscious she's gonna have chill. a consciousness i mean it's she's it's gonna come out of her and this thing is gonna like it's gonna be another one of us and but it's part of like you guys yeah no, so I, got fucking, two, I got two of them so wouldn't it be weird if like oh. if that energy didn't fuck her up somehow like temporarily like that should like if your energy is devoted into like growing something from like even just an, a, sp a spiritual perspective you'd be like drained and fatigued and when you're like that you're irritable all the time well my aunt and i had this she's the one that more or less introduced me to marijuana her and this other you know some dudes i played with played baseball with uh but she was the one that taught me a lot of things that society says is bullshit uh so but uh fuck i forgot where i was going with that what were we talking about? <laughs> you're talking about your aunt who uh she helped you with marijuana or she got you in cannabis Oh, we well, oh we talked about like um, just as a as a female, I we were trying to. I was just I've always had empathy because I've been surrounded by females. So, <laughs> and then there's like you know there's a part of us as males that will never know or understand. But the, what I could, as far as what I could do experience wise to relate to what women go through monthly is when you're like going through puberty for those three or four years when it's just hormonal and you're just a motherfucker for some reason and then the next minute you're like i don't know why i'm crying you're like yeah it's, it's... <laughs> that's what happens once a month yeah that's nuts and my aunt was like she goes that's a great way to look at it and she was like that is a great way and she's like and there's like she was like you she's like what's weird is as you get older you know you're acting that way and you can't fully stop yourself and i was like yeah. oh man that's fucked yeah so i think about that a lot so i have a lot of empathy the, for you the think about and screaming think about I'm that like, yeah, like there's a thing going you're doing a lot you're putting a lot of hormones in a new thing that's a 
there's at least three days a month that every woman, if she's not on some sort of birth control, if they're on their normal menstruation, there's at least three days where they're just going to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> they're just going to be sick. And they usually it's like longer for, for some people. So it's like, they're going to, their back's going to hurt and they're going to feel like shit. And they're going to, they're going to be ill because it's just how their body is. That's, that's weird. Yeah. It's no, thank you. It's a, it's a, why for sure god's a lady which i learned on dmt for sure it was like it was a couple of those clear moments i had when i was on dmt i'm like oh okay it's this this and this isn't it and the and dmt was like yeah it is <laughs> it sure is and i was like oh i thought it was that and he's like yeah it is that right i really i i I'm gonna be. I'm gonna play this part of the audience. Like I don't really know what you're saying, but I guess we'll just keep rolling with it. Like, cause you're referring to things that are lessons in your mind that we don't know, which is fine. Well, I think that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're just like <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> you're like yeah, I got this. Did well, you feel more confident when you came out of DMT, or did you feel, or like what was your general emotion when? Like immediately? Uh, no, like when you look back on the experience. Or when you did like within the month of doing it or something like that. Oh, I was, <clears throat> I was super excited about it because it, there's some stuff that I let go of and some stuff I really accepted. And it was like a, it was a profound experience that I did not plan on having. So, <laughs> so I think there was a casualness to it that I probably, uh didn't put as much introspection in it if i would have planned on it compared to if you had you mean yeah oh, okay gotcha yeah like i didn't so afterwards it was just more like huh that was cool like immediately <laughs> afterwards and i felt stoned i was around some and then it was probably like a week or two afterwards where i was like oh okay this is nice that's really nice what i kind of figured out <laughs> so and then i've since and the next thing i want to say is kind of batty but i've since been in tune with certain frequencies that i wasn't before that i've noticed that if i put certain things and concentrate in certain ways it opens certain things to me and I don't. That's. Uh, I know that sounds insane. What I'm saying because it Why, is. No, it's not insane though. Like that's one of the things that kind of annoy me, especially as somebody coming from cannabis. Where we're. I didn't learning. mean to annoy you. With my I revelations. know. No, no, but the fact that you have to downplay it, like you know, I know this is going to sound baddy. Like just in cannabis alone, there's so much science that is explaining things that we've just chalked up to magic and everything. Like scientists just found out that there's actually proteins in birds' eyes that allow them to follow magnetic lines of the earth. <laughs> That's why they migrate and shit, right? Yeah. 
And it's just like, oh, it's just magical that they fly in these certain paths. And it's like, no, there's science. And we just didn't know it at the time. So I never thought it was magic. I just thought we would just figure it out. Like how they Dude, Before the show, B-Dub was totally saying that all, whatever birds do is magic. He's, that's all he was talking about. But you know what I'm saying? Birds like, is magic, yuns. I would say that's not weird. And if you imagine if you did like a contemplative meditative practice every day and then you did one of those things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but it was we'll talk about that in like a month. Yeah. Now <laughs> so, I have a yeah, we have a project I have to contemplative <laughs> contemplative meditation and then lines of um, magnetic lines around the poles. Is that what? Mm-hmm. All right, that was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Leave it in, Slee. Let him sit in it. Let him sit in it. I want to get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you that it doesn't matter. <laughs> so we'll be over it in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like nothing kind of nothing really significantly matters. It's just like, no, we know like, we've been going to Humboldt where those redwoods are. Every time you're just like, oh yeah, we are, we are a, a, a like a second, if that, of time. Nothing else matters. So uh, one thing dope. that one thing that I think is funny is to think of like tips for potheads, which. I mean, I would assume everybody's pretty cool if they're watching this show. Uh, so one of the things that I thought of recently was if you consume a particular strain that gives you the munchies, and depending on what you're crushing, that if you prepared and had some digestive enzymes like around the kitchen or something, then you could hit a digestive enzyme, and then it would break down your pizza or whatever the fuck you're eating in a better way so that your poop doesn't explode like a shotgun out of your butthole whenever you do poop maybe at, hopefully not three in the morning like you do when you drink beer <laughs> so, uh, but uh one of the things that i think would help so so when mike you guys did an early interview was adam i don't know adam what his first Jacques. Name was yeah, so so that was like an interesting one because i remember i think was he the one that said cannabis is so much more than getting high Yes. Okay. Yes. So I just remembered that when, when I listened to that, when you guys first started all this. And uh, so one of the tenets of can cannabis, and that's one of the major things they used in Colorado to get it past. I'm sorry to get it. Uh, yeah. To get it past to Colorado was that it's safer than alcohol, which it is. And like, like neurochemically it's all the tryptamine based psychedelics like LSD and psilocybin and mescaline. And and cannabis for separate reasons uh are way less harmful than the poison that is alcohol that literally poisons your prefrontal cortex and prevents REM sleep and then when you black out drunk when you get that far that's poisoning your hippocampus and your brainstem that's why you don't form new memories that's insane so anyway the whole cannabis thing is like it's a healthier thing and you can kind of use it even if you're a pothead like most things in in like health and wellness which is like my background i have an exercise physiology degree and then i'm a medic so i've done like an lot of anatomy and physiology i've done medicine like clinical medicine and uh so 
I, I, I have a lot of doctors that are friends, my girlfriend's a doctor. So like, I'm ingrained in medicine, but also like the context of how the human body works in the system. And so the more that you inflame the system, which could be going on in your digestive system and your gut, or it could be going on um, with the lack of exercise or something that is. Or what if you just eat like just pounds of gummy bears? (laughs) What if you just eat pounds of gummy bears? Hopefully it's not that one brand that has that, Whatever that sugar is, that ingredient that gives you the no, the I know carts. which. Yeah, I know which one that is. I'm not gonna say it. Okay, because, but that is. Well, there is. There's bad. a time and place for everything. That's the point. So oh, if you I'm generally bad. eat in a way that is like low inflammatory, it is gonna have a resulting low inflammation. Then, and you're consuming the endocannabinoids, and hopefully you can acquire or grow your own, which is the point of this podcast and the Patreon. With, <laughs> like, he nailed it just, he nailed it just that. like we that rehearsed was, it. just so that segue just right like we rehearsed it. because we've we've i think we've had some of these conversations on the we've done two or three patreon episodes that i've been on so as far as this like little season of growing that we're doing but um so if you can grow your own then you can get like really rich endocannabinoid cannabis and stuff so like if we're gonna want that and we're gonna want the complex high like it can also do the medicative shit too but we have to if we set our body up to like utilize it then it'll work better so like if you're hydrated and you're like you can have like electrolyte supplements that because if you're like low on sodium for example because if you eat more plant-based diet for example you might not be eating processed foods and shit because that would be ideal for everyone to not eat processed foods. And so if you're not getting as much sodium, then it can fuck with stuff in your kidneys and your kidneys are, are what control blood pressure. So your BP will go up to compensate. So actually getting sodium in is beneficial. So there's, there's like some electrolyte stuff that people could use when getting high. I've uh, re- kind of resuscitated with it. Uh, just like if someone's just like, Oh fuck, I don't feel good. You know, based off if they ate something weird. Uh, then I would have resuscitated them with electrolytes. <laughs> and uh, I've also like part of my job is I've like resuscitated people in the baton death march with a certain electrolyte and water ratio. And then that guy was like, I thought he was like, he could very well like pass out and maybe like have a heat stroke or something. And that guy finished after listening to but, do what, what I said. Sorry, that's but, a huge tangent. But, really? But hold the yeah. baton <laughs> death march though? What's so that? So the original baton death march was in World War II. And mm-hmm. it's it was uh, a lot of Americans and Filipinos were forced marched like 70 or 80 miles or 60 something miles like over the course of like two days straight. And so if you stopped and tried to like rest or drink water on the side of the road, you were killed by the Japanese. So they murdered the fuck, I think like 8000 people or some shit. I can't I, I can't Jesus. fully remember, but there was a certain amount of survivors from that event, the Bataan Death March. It was like a forced march in the heat in this jungle or tropical type heat uh so anyway the baton death march is a an annual i guess race that's done in new mexico um near the white sands missile range and it's just kind of like this it's not quite backcountry because it's not super high but it's like kind of mountainous and then sandy and then it is but it's pretty dry and arid but it happens in march and i did it in 2017 with my team and i just wanted to walk it and like we just wanted to finish as a team and it's i mean it's a marathon it's a marathon distance for for this race and then like at mile like 21 you just go through like an ankle deep thing of sand for a mile or two jesus so there's like at one point in the beginning there's i think it was eight <laughs> miles of an incline just eight miles like straight of an incline and, that's and we I, signed up for it 
<laughs> yeah, I was I was like, what the fuck? Are, what, are, what are we doing? Why would we yeah. do this? Like, we did this in selection. Why the fuck would we opt to do this? I so, signed a waiver. <laughs> people get fucked up from doing stuff like that. I don't I don't like doing uh at the, at this point in my life, especially at this point in my life, but when I, even when I was a Green Beret, I was like, I don't need to like test myself. Like that's what that's what the deployment is. Like <laughs> I don't need, need to, to test myself here. Like I want to be it. smart about it because like I want to do the least amount of stress on my body to get the most performance out of it. So uh, so anyway, tying this all back into like the wellness bullshit that like you can. There's some basic things, and this is the kind of stuff I talk about on like my podcast. And if people want to see me or whatever, they can go to justinlassic.com. But like my podcast, uh, I have smooth a series of episodes out already, and they some of these kind of <laughs> some really of these talk about, about that. that. Um, but I thought about trying to make it more cannabis focused when we do the Patreon. So like sometimes we get into talking about uh, wellness things or like tying in the way that B Dub kind of ties in comedy with how it's related to the cannabis industry like mike and i were when you left last week b-dub like mike and i were talking about it and like his background had similar similarities with like my background in a, in a similar way that like comedy and cannabis does and so it was just it's just interesting because you can draw parallels with all our different backgrounds so anyway that's why the patreon's kind of fun and uh i mean we aim to make it entertaining and have fun things every week. So, so what are going to learn a shit ton on our Patreon? <laughs> and Dude, in the second episode, when we talked about that equipment, I learned a lot about all that. Like, I know what all that shit is now. Now, when I too. saw the list, yes. I was like, I was like, what the fuck is all that? So, I always, I just thought well, I'll learn as we go as we put it together how this stuff will work, and then Mike's like, you can't do it like that. <laughs> no, the when he I went stared over, at my tent yeah. today for ten minutes, <laughs> mad at all three of you guys because i've been like i've had this thing up for weeks and i can't do anything with it <laughs> but then really, it was like that thing of like i know that it's it's part of the whole learning thing is like it's you have to have patience doing this shit and that's what mike is also he's like if you don't take your time it's it's like fucking calm it's like when you're building an act uh you don't do that shit. The I've right been doing way, comedy for a year. I'm going to move to strictly all crowd work material. You should. You should. My you buddy, should. Uh, my buddy, at one the of door. them who put tourniquets on me, he was at my house the other day. And like you said, that it takes time to like do this thing. I was like, you want to make a fireman? And he's he's like we have this joke in our community that like you take this personality test when you're in selection, and there's a lot of questions on like setting fires or do you have a history with fires and there's also a lot of questions about flowers like i don't know what the fuck that significance is but so it's the flat where people come out and especially like the, the dumb guys are like what the fuck was all that shit about fire in there like i totally said yes to all that and like oh, i got in mega dude so oh. uh, <laughs> but uh but this particular buddy he likes building he he he's yeah he's almost like He's he's almost the point where you'd want to be concerned about what his interest in fire. But he he like <laughs> built this fire. He like meticulously broke all the sticks and set them up very like meticulously. And I was like, Do you want any of this shit? It was like the you know, the fire started things, and he was like, Nah, I'm good. And so he's just like he just started this fire, and it was just like a, a beautiful roaring fire. He's got a just but the passion that passion that passion that analogy was there sorry the whole point of that story was that was an analogy that it's always good to do the fundamentals 
with what we're doing. We really be dealt with comedy. My friend Pyro friend wanting to build a fire. He's gonna listen to this now. And then Mike having to go over the fundamentals of what we're gonna do when we grow. And he's gonna, I think in the next Patreon, cheese, he's gonna talk about environment, lighting, and pH. So I mean, we're going to get into those things so we can understand why those things are important. So we can, uh, let me so we know selling. why we finish selling it. Sorry. Us to do. Just let me it's... finish selling it. Cause if we control all these things that Mike tells us to do, then what we're doing is we're making the plant as healthy as possible. And when the plant is healthy as possible, it's going to ejaculate terpenes all over the endocannabinoids. And then there's going to give us all the medica- medical benefit. And it's also going to give us the complex high that we want when we also, yeah depending on how many substances you're on, then you could combine that with other things and explore the universe. Yeah. Um, So that That if you wanted to learn about that, that's what we're doing over there. That is what we're doing. (laughs) Also, very affordable. Now you don't need an (laughs) outro, I guess. (laughs) Also, you're exploring the world of growing of the biology, because that's one of the things that I really enjoy about talking to you. Of course, the human body is way more complex than a plant, but the way that you talk about human that's bodies- our, Hold on, that's our fault though, Mike. Like we're <laughs> complex because of the constructs we make. Well, and we discussed previously, <laughs> the plants don't have a traditional, you know, uh, vascular system like we do. They depend upon VPD to make that happen. But I do think that this will work out really good, especially for you as far as like, it will get you hyper focused and excited on, you know, the the way that it's exactly like a human body. And I ultimately just want people to go along with the trip of it all. So uh, Slee, varied pressure deficiency is what VPD is. And we talk about that in the patreon on the patreon but it's a it's the it's like essentially the temperature and humidity shit that influences how the plant is going to circulate everything so it 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 imparts like a like the pressure on it i can't Uh, tell you how good inside i felt when i mentioned it once on the podcast and billy was like i know what that is and i was like he's been listening (laughs) he knows it I it's mean, getting, just, it's getting in there, you guys. It's, well, it's if you haven't good. noticed, repetition is the key. And so that's why whenever we bring it up, I say that because then I can start repeating this to people on the fly instead of looking at my notes, which are right here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to get ready for this. I've been and, you know, to better myself and my diet. I've been taking notes on what I've been eating because I was like, I'm going to have to start. Talk, I'm going to have to start practicing this because. <laughs> Because I'm like, I want to, because now there's a, another person growing. I know I can't beat Mike, but I got to beat the new guy. That's not how farming goes. It is how it works. <laughs> I, we're in America. It's the process of the experience that I you're know. trying to cultivate. But That'd I mean, be cool, though, I want the experience the to be the best thing. possible because he's motivating as a human being just being around him. So you're just like, oh, well, now I got to get better. Now I got to. <laughs> i understand it Uh, again i told you guys this privately but i'm also telling this this also applies to women in a different way so i don't want to exclude any women careful careful not in this climate be careful i'm just uh, i'll be (laughs) what the recommendations that i do regarding systemic inflammation it it usually takes care of inflammation and you're eating less inflammatory things and you're kind of addressing some of them with vitamin d and fish oil and like turmeric 
those are like the and a probiotic those are like the big four it's the only like thing that i would take uh but when you do that and then you kind of have even like a half-assed exercise routine but you're doing that and then you also sleep an hour more a night like you try and go to bed one hour before whatever your time is right now i would then that will make your testosterone go up and one of the the side effects of that for men is to have uh more pronounced erections so i so with women it would also have to do with with both genders it has to do with improving uh emotions and emotional health and ability to like abstractly think and store and you know conceptualize things and like ha have better memory so all this shit does those things but if you're being silly then you would say I, what if you just listen to me and you get a harder wiener if you're a guy yeah so just, just take the just just do what he says and your dick gets real big dude <laughs> See, I had to be all, I had to make sure I didn't say it weird. And then <laughs> I'll say it weird. I'll okay. say it weird. But uh, that's my, that is literally my job is to take hmm. complicated information and say it to dummies. And so they kind of, I mean, my, like I said before, my parents, my, my whole family's educators. So oh, yeah. I think that's where that all that shit comes from. I'm accepting it. Do you know what I mean? I think for a long time we all kind of run from who we are or where we came from kind of make your own thing and then you're like i don't know i think a lot of this has to do with where i uh where i don't want to go back to so uh, <laughs> so i have to accept that that's yeah it's just interesting that's probably what the point of life is is to try and figure that out because yeah because it is. one of the contemplative things and is a zen thing called what is this and uh, if you stop and look around at like, like if I was to be slammed back into my body right now and I look down and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, why don't I have legs? Where are my fucking testicles? Like, what the fuck is all the shit that I've been through or anybody that has been through anything? Like, what the fuck is all of that? But like, so sometimes so I've been thinking about that because I've been meditating about it, but also just kind of like being like flabbergasted that like whatever this is. And then it, when you meditate it with with it though like some things have come to mind like one of them was like is life just a distraction that gets in the way of you like understanding why you're here is that is like life is that just like what the end state of life is that it's a distraction no i think it can be if you let it it's okay here's a metaphor well because like it's if like la when you come to la <laughs> You have most people that come to Los Angeles have a dream and they have a thing they want to accomplish here. But yeah. what they don't understand when they get to Los Angeles is that it has fucking everything you could ever want at your fingertips. And that is overwhelming if you're not focused on what you're trying to do. And that's what most people in this town are. I realized kind of quickly is like they're lost on this other thing because there's 9,000 fucking things coming at you. And if you don't, if you're not at yourself and know what you want, this, this town, you could just sit like this, which I think a lot of people do in their life. Most of their lives is this kind of stuff. I'm doing an act out right now and I forget we're on a podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just doing like a, just kind of like a stagnant you're just treading water which is like uh that's what you're talking about with it like but 
when I did a certain things like DMT and there's like these certain fucking I think monumental uh, points in my life like there's certain events where I do I was like oh what do you, what do you want out of this now I think the book uh, Siddhartha the Herman Hess book I think that everyone should read that if you're struggling with whatever fucking you need to do with life or whatever i think it's one of the most brilliant books ever written it simplifies things in a way that i've it's just i mean it's i kept thinking of woody guthrie when i was reading it because he was like it takes a, any fool can make things complicated it takes a genius to make it simple mm-hmm. and i when you're reading that herman Hess book i was just like oh this is the jam you guys i don't know if you've so I think about it probably every is day. It, it, is it stemming from like a Buddhist con- uh-huh. con- contemplative stuff? It's because of Siddhartha? Yeah. Like I can't remember what that term means, but I've seen it in the Bhagavad Gita. It is. Uh, I mean, I can't go as deep about that stuff because I'm just now getting into studying Buddhism. Yeah. It was like the one, like in a deeper way. Like it was like one of those things where I grew up Southern Baptist, but my dad's a history teacher. My mom's an English teacher. So, like, they were kind of, nah, about, you know, it is more about the community and less about the dogma bullshit. And then you get, you know, and then I, they used me, some of the church stuff used me because they realized I could speak in front of people. And then I saw that, and then I started studying other religions and realized real quick that they're all the same they just have a little different cultural twist to them and uh i was like it's the same fucking i keep i went bahrain made me laugh so hard because i was like this place is texas it's just instead of a fucking steeple there's just the crescent moon on every corner yeah it's the same fucking shit and there's a instead of big trucks going to get kfc they have motorcycles bringing you kfc it's the, it's the same and it was like oh. it's probably really hot too <laughs> it was i did not go out that yeah i went out early when we deploy we go late. through qatar and it's it's uh yeah it, it, it's absurd one of the most disgusting environments i've ever been in was in was in qatar that's how you say it in arabic qatar, like yes <laughs> uh but the yeah, it was gross. We walked out to the to to the C one thirty to fly into Bagram, and it was like seven thirty in the morning, and it was like eighty eight degrees, one hundred percent humidity, and it was like I was in a dumpster, and I could. That's how it was just be feels like. The, Where, I, yeah, I flew to Newark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's near Doha. Yeah. Okay, because I was in a way different part of Doha than you were. No, if you're in the city, <laughs> apparently it, it can be pretty nice. cool it in the city. It was real nice. But yeah. the military bases have a way of like making life. Very... So like we would have to stay in these tents that would be like 40 fucking dudes in, all in various stages of sleep, that weird thing, because everybody's sleeping at all times of day because you're either going or coming from the other part of the world. Oh. And so it's all like huffing weird air conditioning farts all night with 40 dudes in like a in like a giant tent and then the bathrooms are really gross so that's like what sometimes you get stuck there for like a week when you're trying to go into country and like well, why does it work like that man but going back to buddhism b-dub uh, 
Good thing I fucking took That's notes. A good segue. That was a good segue. Did, wait, y'all didn't fly in the airport though, right? Uh, so when we leave, at least when we leave for when I've deployed from my unit in Colorado, we leave on like it's a commercial airliner that has been contracted for this purpose of flying military, uh-huh. and then that takes us to Qatar. And then from Qatar, it's a we call it gray tail. It's a military flight from there to in country. So you can have this like contracted flight that is basically it's it's kind of we call them rotators because they regularly you know just like most flights like in yeah Atlanta to New York or something. It's it's a rotator, so it goes back and forth. So it's usually going back to the U.S., picking up multiple people, going into a country, and then picking up people in different countries and bringing them back. All so the time. you 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 fly into that dope ass doha airport no we go to the, oh okay i was like the, that's mean as hell it's called, to make it's called al uded air force base i think oh, okay okay it's written in english in a different way than how you say it in arabic uh, most of the time but uh anyway one thing you know, most so, of the uh that's the skyscrapers in doha are empty yeah i mean uh trump did that too in uh one of those one country he put yeah. a, a tower in a slum area because it's you know it's for money laundering so yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> i forget which name it was too it was like you know, yes i saw that too god damn it what country so it? it's yeah anyway yeah that's there's probably weird shit going on because so, some of those middle eastern countries are really cool but there's still a lot of like you know it's like the wild west with like how you can do things legally thing <laughs> yes and then there's the, it was I learned a lot that that people that are aware of how it works are fun to talk to about, but like if people don't really have never been there, they don't understand where you're like it's it's this. But you do have discrepancy in economic wealth also a lot of times because of the cities like Doha will be crazy, and then you can I don't know, but it's bad. I mean, you have like Iran right next to Afghanistan, Afghanistan is way more war-torn and they have no industry basically except yeah. for you know pop and <laughs> that's that is the industry uh man if only these things were legal and everything and you could tax them then then you wouldn't have to have an illegal trade maybe you could make medicine out of that poppy instead of it being illegal or something i don't know or just if no, there was no, no demand for it because the drug, you know, if cartels weren't wanting it as much because they were out of business, then maybe Afghanistan can shift to like a real fucking industry. Let me let me tell you a random story because now we're, we'll go back to Buddhism. But like I'm now I'm talking about Afghanistan. Uh, I was we don't on have this, to. We don't I was on this one mission, and they uh, I was fighting ISIS, and they were. Uh, basically skimming off of the the timber trade i think i've told you guys this before but they're skimming the timber trade by uh stealing the money from the people that were doing it or taking it over or whatever but uh we were in a village and this is the only time this has ever happened (laughs) for me so i'm not cool but like i this particular day i shot someone uh i had to like hunt this guy and find him and uh but uh, after that, they had these huge fucking things of they were like chopped up, just like sawed up mahogany. But they were like, you know, almost the fucking width of a dinner table or some shit. And they were just like debarked and like in these like big Whoa. rectangles. And they were like 30 feet long. And they were kind of like Lincoln log stacked. And for whatever reason, 
Afghans like to burn things because I think it's it has to do uh, Afghan culture and Arabic culture kind of independently, but they're related to the Bedouin culture of like nomadic tribes descending. And so you have a lot of things that are tribal and saving face is one of those. And so then like insults uh, have a different meaning when you're like insulting the face, quote unquote, to, of your like opponent in this case. And then they have to do something to save that face. And so like if there's so anyway, it's it's kind of like a spit in your eye when they like light things on fire is my point. Yeah. So um, that would happen. And they lit the mahogany thing on fire and it was <sighs> the biggest flame I've ever seen. I mean, other than explosions <laughs> that were from bombs, but it was just like like 40 foot high flames. It's just like a random day in Afghanistan. <laughs> and then, yeah, we got done with our oh. mission before, like as the sun was coming up. So I did like a side mission to do that. Uh, it was pretty cool. But it was cool until it wasn't. <laughs> and then I also think about that dude that I shot. Like, I think about, like, uh, he was probably fucking terrified. <laughs> he was running. Like, I, he was running, like, left to right at, like, 35 meters. And I shot, like, three. I think I missed the first one and hit the second two. But it was like, doo, doo, doo. And he just, like, boom. And he fell down. So, like, that guy was probably really scared. And then... One of my friends who's the same job as me is an 18 Delta or special forces medic. And we were talking one day, he's out. <clears throat> and he said he was, when he was in Afghanistan, he was looking around and when he would see the people in the villages or he'd like interact with people that are like, they are suspected Taliban. He's like, man, like that dude didn't have like anything going on in his fucking life. He like, they're living in mud huts in this area of the country. And his way to try and make money and to like make a name for himself and like stand like step into whatever the the pride of being in a, an afghanistan male and, and a fighter the he like he he became a fighter and so he was just fighting for one of the tribes because no. this you know this guy wanted to be a fighter so this guy was in isis which is pretty fucked up compared to taliban taliban's fucked up too don't get me wrong but they're gonna be part of the government and everybody hates isis including taliban so um Anyway, the point is that, like, that dude, for whatever reason, he was, you know, they take kids there, and they're, like, fucking five years old, and they put a machine gun in their hand, or an AK, and they, like, teach them how to use it, and they, like, indoctrinate them with Sharia law. So, like, they grow up like that. And so nobody chose to fucking be born in rural Afghanistan. And I learned that when we can't, we left a, a mission. It was, like, a week before I got blown up, and it was snowing, and we had the option to sleep out there, and it was going to be fucking miserable because we weren't prepared to fucking sleep. Well, we were, but not like with like uh, tarps. And uh, we didn't, it was snowing. So there's no ISR. So the ridge lines everywhere and there could have been machine gun. I was like, we can't fucking stay here. Like ridge lines everywhere. So we were leaving <laughs> and I was riding in these little new Humvees. They're like really, they're kind of like uh, off-roading vehicles. The, the driver's in the center and there's two seats next to him on each side. So you can assault out of it easier. And cool. people can assault out of the back, and then people can ride in the back, and it has a gun on top. So it can have a grenade launcher, or it can have a 50 cal, <laughs> or and then you can put a 240 in the back, which is a machine gun. It's like a, a head, like a, a step down from the 50 cal. Anyway, so this gun's kind of cool, but it's not armored. <laughs> so anyway, we're driving back, and there's like a rock. I'm sitting on the window because I'm like the truck commander, and uh, there was this little girl. She was standing on a rock um, for. Um, for the visual i don't know if we're doing video with this but there's like it's like a shoulder height at where i'm looking and she was barefoot 
and she was like three years old and she came outside in order to wave to us because this valley was occupied by isis and they used to like put village elders on a strip of debt cord which is explosive and they would blow them up and that's how they executed a bunch of village elders at one point somewhere in this area and so um this is all open source too um but uh anyway so we liberate like we being green berets working by with and through our indigenous population blah 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 bullshit um mainly green berets running missions with afghan special forces and like airstriking the fucking shit out of these dudes and so these villagers were able to return to their homes and so she was standing on the rock and she was waving she was probably like no shit no older than three and she was barefoot and it was snowing so it was cold enough to fucking snow and we we're like all wearing jackets and shit and she was barefoot she came outside because the americans and their afghan friends were driving through and she like they were thankful that they had their valley back so that's i can't remember why i started telling you guys that but that's like the thing that gives me per- oh because she didn't fucking choose to be born there just the same way that i didn't be chose i didn't choose to be born to like a family that was split between lower and upper middle class and like a white dude right <laughs> and then like it's like different people didn't decide to be born in fucking 1830 as a black guy to uh in a slave you know a plantation where slaves are being held captive and you're like born as a black boy in that environment like no one chooses any of this shit so but it also that also is it, it can be like on one hand you can do you can be nihilistic about that shit like the guy in the big lebowski in the pool he's like passed out drunk you can be a nihilist. You care about nothing, Lebowski. And then, uh, <laughs> or you can use it as a way to cultivate compassion. Because if people didn't choose where the fuck they were born, and then like what social pressures they had on them, like living in a war-torn country like Afghanistan, or living in a fucking horrible inner city like Minneapolis or some shit, you know? <laughs> so, like, uh, like there, people don't choose the circumstances they're in, but like the the th- the thing about war and all that bullshit it, it only shows you how fucking dumb it is and how fucking retarded all of it is and why anything exists to continue doing it you should only do it when you fucking have to it's so dumb and so the the thing that you can get out of it is that if you see that interact with it and like i don't know what will happen to that valley like that valley is probably owned by taliban right now because they were part of the local police at the point like fighting the isis and stuff but like it, it, like who knows what it is but like we we had an imp- impact on them like uh, a little bit so that makes it a little better but like still like that's not worth my fucking legs or being a dad like that shit mm. sucks man and so it should only serve to help cultivate compassion because we get like the perspective of this person didn't fucking choose this and so like sometimes that fucks them up and like limits what they can do in their life and that's okay to admit. Doesn't mean that we or like if I, I didn't. Doesn't mean I did something wrong, you know. But the whole not having legs thing, like I'm now a minority. I'm I'm a, I'm a disabled person. Like something could happen to me right now, and I can't fucking walk for two weeks. And that could happen any day for no reason. Something fucked up could happen, and I could just fuck up one of my legs, and I can't walk. So I'm like, and then I can't run. So like, if something ever happens to me, I, like. If I'm ever confronted, like I'm fucking gonna go down beating the shit out of someone, but getting my ass kicked. So like, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm gonna fight, and they're gonna like know that there's like still 
a regular, almost like a 200 pound upper body. It's going to attack them. <laughs> I would feel very bad for them if they had to go through that. I just can't <laughs> run. So I'm going to have to fight if something happened. That's, that's, that's my only point. That's so, like, terrifying. That's terrifying. Can so be, just going down the then, line, fight or flight, fight or <laughs> fight. Anyway. <laughs> now, see, the thing is, is this is how my mind works. Now that I know how the physiological processes and I know a lot about them and how trauma is stored, it's fight, flight, or freeze. And when you play a role in your trauma, it doesn't manifest in the same way or at all. And so, huh. like, I was an active participant in, like, what happened to me after the blast. It's not that part that fucks me up. It's other shit. So, but regarding, uh, like, worst case scenarios, like, I immediately, because I've been in a lot of like weird, like when contact happens, you have to think really quick and do shit uh, when you start getting shot at. So when something happens right away, like I just feel like I'm in, I go back into being in the zone and uh, like just controlling whatever it is, because that's what I did. When you say in the zone, what does that mean? Well, like... I have a sports psychology background, but so there, there is this idea of being in a flow state. Mm-hmm. and there's re- there's like research that argues about this it's really obnoxious but there's this z- there's there's an eyes off scale and if i recall it's the international i don't know what the i stands for zone of optimal functioning meaning that your arousal level not your wiener but um your actual excitement in your body that is control that is essentially the result of whatever hormonal process is happening so you have rest and digest and you have fight or flight or freeze so you have um, rest and digest is parasympathetic, and then the other one is sympathetic. So you have these conflicting major hormonal systems that are usually like going back and forth throughout the day in what is called a circadian rhythm, and what our plants are going to do that too in the grown local Patreon. Um, wow. But anyway, <laughs> uh, what the fuck am I talking about, Mike? Uh, <laughs> you were talking about flow state, and oh, thank uh, you. So the arousal level is like certain levels of arousal will increase performance for certain people and then going tipping above their arousal level will be detrimental or debilitating to their performance. So Michael Jordan, when his arousal level went up, he was a very high performer. And one might even argue when the stakes were higher, kind of like Brett Favre too, when the stakes were higher, his fucking dad passed away and he throws like four fucking touchdowns the next game that night or some shit. I think it was. It was the next night, I think. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so anyway, uh, arousal level can uh, influence your performance. And so when arousal for, so I guess I'd never really thought about it this way, but when arousal level goes up for me, that uh, it, I just can do it. <laughs> I can do no, it. I'm the same, like, I'm the same way. If there's yeah. more stakes, that's more interesting, I guess, to my mind and my body where they're like, well, now we're doing something. <laughs> so some people get anxious with that. And then some people shut down, including Green Berets. And that's just like, uh, if you're being compassionate, you realize that like, well, that's evolutionarily speaking, one of the three fucking things you can do, yeah. fight, flight, or freeze. And so when you freeze yeah. and don't fucking do shit in a firefight, it sucks for everybody else, but it's, you can't really like blame a person. Cause like, you just don't fucking know. And you can train through that, but I've mentally trained for that the whole time. And, uh, the, as a kid, I would think about saving people for some reason. That was the only like, cool. I mean, I, for, for I didn't me- have like, I want to be a doctor or fucking T-Rex or whatever. <laughs> I, was, I, I was like thought about, I would daydream about that. I for me, know. I am for sure a freeze dude. Like, like I'm not even joking around. Growing up, I would get panic attacks. I'd literally just pass out 
And like, I remember a therapist would be like, yeah, this is your survival instinct. And I was like, how the fuck am I supposed <laughs> to survive if I just that, that pass one's out? That one's dead. That one's already <laughs> Move dead. Move on. That one's dead. But um, that's, I, that's what it is. That's one of the things that it does. It also turns your body off so you don't feel yourself getting eaten. Oh, that's dope. That's helpful. Oh, that's very sometimes, but also sometimes the animal can wake up later and then fucking run away when it gets like dragged to the the den or something or in, uh, elsewhere in the woods if they don't actually feed on it right away. So sometimes but, th- that there's an evolutionary advantage to doing that because, but also, but animals work through that shit immediately. Humans don't because we have all these fucking constructs, all these things we made up, all these ideas of happy and sad and good or bad and love and hate, all this shit we made up. So we just make everything really complicated and we don't deal with it unless you're an active participant. So if you get in a fight, fight back <laughs> or run the fuck away. That's what you should always do. You should always run away. Pass but if you can out, like hit someone in a very out. sensitive area of their body and then run away yeah. and you like th- remember where you like always have a plan where your keys are and know which pocket they are, then you can always run away. Sorry, Green Berets are all about contingency planning. So if you it just is. habitually do contingency planning, then when something happens, then you'd know what to do. Have you ever read about Krav Maga or looked at like that? It's the dirtiest fighting. It's the yeah. best fighting. You're just like, yeah, you're just you getting shit done and getting the fuck out. That's yeah. what that it's shit like is. It's like eye gouged, throat fucking yeah, it elbow. Is, yeah, you're just like, you did that groin. like in a redneck fight. People are like, he's a piece of shit. Like, no, that is a style of fighting. I am. Yeah discipline yeah when so I, was the, reading, I was like this is but, dirty as fuck man <laughs> the whole me being uh I, I, like disabled it, it it helps with empathy i think so there's there's two things going on here there's my disability and then there's like the in what the i think it's an accurate narrative even though it is a narrative because none of this matters and this is just appearing before us in consciousness <laughs> but uh the army kind of fucked me over and it really fucking that's the thing that like triggers my PTSD. It really pisses me off when I get going about it. I did not get promoted, Mike, if that's what you're about to ask. I'm asking how so? How did you get fucked over by the army in which a place where you Mike, he ain't got no legs, dude. That's a, well, there there is that, but they, they there's some things that like that they, they took benefits away. Oh like Eva, I've lost or not made at least fifteen thousand dollars because of them it's not worth getting into all the things because but if someone's ever been in the military they'd be like i don't i I don't really need to know the precise story i just know what the story's gonna be like someone that's not in that is in the military will just know that agree and so that's why i'm not gonna shut the fuck up about it until something until it starts getting better but because of that like budget reasons do they do that no someone actually sent me a memo today that was like, this is an exception to policy, like outline that you can fill out to try and promote someone who is enlisted, which is what I am, uh, under extenuating circumstances if something happens where they can't get promoted, which is what fucking happened to me. I would have gotten promoted if I fucking didn't get blown up. So anyway, I don't want to get too mixed up on this because the preposterousness and irritation of that is only going to fucking piss me off and I won't sleep tonight. But um, moving beyond that, the... I went up to the level of the office of the secretary of the army, by the way, and they were unable to promote me, which means that they did not even use the fucking thing, like the actual memo that their office actually put out at some point in time to fucking allow this to happen. So anyway, so because of that injustice, it just clearly shows me that when I am 
I'm essentially when you you have casualty status when you get a purple heart there's there's a difference of like how people will look at you but when you are really like I almost died really fucking hard like they didn't know I was gonna live for like several days and uh so people like know who I am around my unit or and I've been on Joe Rogan and so a lot of people in this career field know about that because there's not really a green beret on Joe Rogan ever um so anyway, the fact that this happened to me and when I'm the injured party that like I had a good reputation before this happened. I don't know what it is now. I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> I had a good <laughs> reputation before and uh, like I felt like I did a good job as a Green Beret and that we were like doing uh, we were doing it the right way as far as like a team goes and being positive and like trying to teach the right things. And uh, I put so much sacrifice and effort into that job and nobody had either the willingness or the courage to fucking stand up for me along the way to like fight for something like promotion because what that means is i get paid more for my disability paycheck if this were to happen that's the significance of this right. and and it's not so much the money it's more of the principle for me and so it just because what it is is that like this unit tries to say how important you are like how special you are but then they treat you like shit the entire time and that realization to like actually have that play out in front of me is absolutely fucking heartbreaking yeah like i i believed in like some righteous like when i was when i put the hat on the green hat i thought i want to kill people that deserve to be killed save people that deserve to be saved and free people that deserve to be freed because our motto is de oppressa liber and that's liberate the oppressed and what I just realized is that like they, they like it doesn't matter. There's just a cost on this. There's a cost of money that I got for being injured. My any of the friends that Will Will Lindsay or Ryan Sarter or Elliot Robbins, the only the cost of their deaths was five hundred thousand dollars plus the monthly salary to their remaining wives and children. Like that's the cost of doing business for a death. And there's a cost to a casualty. And I, and there's going to be someone who retires at like 20 years and they're going to get more money than me. And I don't, I may never be a fucking dad. So, um, without making this a bitch session about what's happening with me, the point is that, is that that's a, that's a pretty significant injustice that I, I understand, but I haven't accepted yet. So it fucking drives me insane. But what that does is it, it shows me that the other guys are still getting treated like that. The guys that are still in the unit still get fucking treated like shit. And they, they, the pro, here's one of the ironies is that one of the tenets, the beginning tenets of special operations is that humans are more important than hardware. And so we are just not treated like that. So don't fucking say it's the, it's a thing if it's not a thing. And furthermore, if we're going to be like, I just told you all this shit about contingency planning. Like uh, we could talk tr like trade craft, essentially, like how you do meets if you're doing something where you don't want people to see you and shit, like, you know, like all that stuff is I do want to learn that stuff. <laughs> so there's there's just a lot. I guess I don't know where I was going with that tangent because it was definitely a tangent. But the point is that when there's this injustice imparted on me, it it pisses me off. First well, of all, it's and, obviously, but it gives me perspective because those guys can't say anything. They can't have a voice because nobody can fucking say and do say anything and do the right thing. Because if they do, then the chain of command is going to like poop down on them because it's full of people that just said yes to get there. And a lot of the people who should be the ones promoting are like 
this is fucking miserable. I don't want to do this anymore. Fuck this. And they get out. And then they oftentimes don't get compensated and shit. It's, it's, it's all just like, it's all when you thought that there was this thing called a brotherhood, it doesn't exist. <laughs> and so they don't have a voice. And if this is going to get better then somebody has to fucking say there's a problem. And I will fucking do that because there was a suicide last week and nobody fucking said anything about it. And that's bullshit. I don't know why a cannabis podcast is where the place is because this is going to come out, but fuck. And so there, the second thing is that now I identify with people who get fucked over in the military because it's happened to me. And yeah. I've had not to fucking bring anyone down who is, they're already brought down, I guess, if they're high listening to this, but uh, uh, sexual abuse against women in the military is so prevalent that some of my female friends in the military just assume that 100% of women have been sexually abused at some point in their military career. And, and, I'm, I'm, and I interviewed, I want to say it was like 30 or 40 people uh, via text for a podcast I did about this. So I identify with people who get fucked over by the military. And a, cor a corollary of that is that I identify almost more with the women who have gotten sexually abused than I do with anybody who's in a chain of command position of anything that I'm associated with. Because I think they are casualties of this war. Because this war, along with like stupid shit like the drug war, but this war continues the over-deployment and the overworking bullshit that doesn't allow people to care about humans. They care about only the bottom line or whatever. It's kind of like a business, but nobody's getting paid. So it's like, this doesn't fucking matter. So, and then, so there's that, there's the military thing. And then outside of that, because I'm disabled and I gave you some examples about like the Afghan girl, then I have a different kind of empathy than maybe five years ago with anybody who has been subject, subjected to any kind of injustice at all, whether it's someone who's in jail for a cannabis related crime, like a nonviolent crime, or it's people that grew up in a poor neighborhood that got fucking shitty tax revenue and had shitty schools and didn't have good after school programs. And like, therefore they, they weren't doing things like football and they were fucking doing shit in the, like doing what you do when you are in that situation, you fucking survive. So just anybody who's been in a situation that where they're fucked over economically or just, I just have a different set of empathy for that. So that's, that's, if there's someone that doesn't understand that kind of stuff, then I can be a voice for those people too, to try and like bring people to the conversation that allows us to discuss these things instead of allowing the social media to drive us apart all the time based on the algorithm. I won't go on that rant right now. <laughs> well, that's a whole, you can watch that on Netflix. They already did that. It's called The Social Dilemma. They explain the and shit. And The Great Hack. You guys um, didn't watch that one. I haven't watched that one yet. But I'll so, probably go watch it in a minute. That's the end of my overall rant about all this shit. But that's that's the I'm, stuff that I'll be exploring on my podcast in the future. And you'll probably catch glimpses of it in this, I guess. <laughs> or growing. Well, that's part of why we we wanted... I know you you had so many questions we were just going back and forth on DM and text about cannabis and stuff. And then you're like, I think I'm going to grow. And I was like, motherfucker grow with us. And then I immediately regretted that. Cause I was like, <laughs> Oh man, he's, he's, <laughs> Yeah, because my, pa my Patreon cut my Patreon character is your enemy. I know. <laughs> I know. Your opponent, at, at least your it, opponent. It, well, it's a good. It's I like competition. It makes you better. Um, like it's just like, everything you said. Like I, I understand and relate to. Like 
I re- my friend's a Secret Service agent now, and he was. I just remember when he got out, they offered him a a, a bonus, and me and him were drinking red wine at the time, just getting hammered, and he said. I, I remember it so clearly too because you know it's just somebody you know since they were we were little and now he's yeah. it's just this moment and he there's these things he's told me long that he had to handle and then we go back and forth we don't talk a whole lot but when we do we talk and he said you know they offered me this bonus and all my friends were signing because it was like a bunch of it's just this lump sum and he was like they were talking about the truck they're gonna buy and stuff and he was like and then i just did the math and he was like, dude, it was like $4 a day. It was like four extra dollars a day. And he's like, I just couldn't fucking do it. I was like, I'm so glad you did that math, man. <laughs> I was like, now you're just jumping in front of some jackass. And he's like, yeah, well, that's it. He's like, I'm more of an event planner now is what it is. <laughs> we said, well, I mean, he's always been Isn't like this that. the we guy that said at- something? Isn't he the one that said something like, it's not Iraq to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when I asked him how the how the Trump president I was like, how crazy is it? And he's like, it's not Iraq, so I can't really gauge crazy. And I was like, touche, motherfucker, touche. So but he's fun. He's I mean, but since we we're little, he's that dude though. Like his dad was a game warden. He had guns growing up that just around. And then we got shot at or towards playing an American Legion baseball game outside of Birmingham and everybody ran in the dugout and, and my dude ran out after the, to see where the, who was shooting and shit. And I remember at the time being like 16, 17, being like, Hey man, you're different. You know that, right? <laughs> he was like, huh? No, I never thought about that. And I mean, there's dudes under, I mean, I wasn't hiding. There was a bunch of dudes hiding under the benches and stuff. And I was, you know, I'm a farm kid. I was like, I don't know. It didn't sound like a large cartridge. I think we'll be okay. But that was my buddy. Like that's kind of how uh that's kind of how firefights are too. Cause some yeah. people will like dive down and then I'll be like, Well, it's not right next to us. And now we know now we know where they <laughs> now we know where they are, and now they are certainly going to die. <laughs> that is how I've always felt in cities too. I've always like it girlfriends and stuff you hear gunshots or stuff they're like is that okay i'm like that is weird so far away from <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. is not <laughs> they're just in the woods you hear gunshot you also What's have to remember how hard know. it is to shoot yes you have to be really good at shooting or just really good at waving it around with full auto i guess if you're doing a drive-by but like i'm the only reason i'm alive is because people are bad at shooting <laughs> Granted, they they grew up in the mud huts, but they probably had at least some basic training on the. Oh, they all do. They have, they do have basic training on how to use those things. But their equipment's also poopy. Yeah. So luckily, the RPG can be, you know, like it would be like short or something. Yeah, or, we bought that. Or it shit wouldn't hit. Or it wouldn't hit me in the. Ago. Yeah, it wouldn't hit me in the head. You know, <laughs> but there's different types of RPGs. There's small ones. And then they fly like shit. And then there's like the big ones that like that like are the scary ones. I feel like most of them have to be scary, but that might just be a me thing. You I know? think it's like probably everything else where you just get used to certain things that you shouldn't <laughs> get used to if you're in a certain like that's the thing I've learned the most about 
I think that helps me uh, improve and change is that knowing how adaptable human beings are, just how, like, so if you start uh, uh, going toward a goal and trying to change, if you keep going towards it, we can, like, the human body can do most things if you allow it and do about it in an intelligent, disciplined way. And I think that's what I've learned just traveling. Uh, hold on. It survives when you don't do that. That's what the human body does. That's just such a good point. That's what, and okay. <laughs> Let me give you a specific. It, let's bring it back, Justin. Let's bring okay. it back. Check okay. this out. That's what <laughs> cannabis does too. Because you and I will try to kill it. You and I will. Yeah. And Slee will yeah. try to kill it. And that thing will just be like, nah, mm-mm. nah, I got this. I know you should, you guys should quit putting that in me, but it ain't going to kill me. Cause I tried. It's awesome. Nothing well, can kill. We're it. definitely gonna grow. I mean, at the very least, we're gonna accidentally grow really healthy cannabis. And if we do it at least decently, it's probably gonna be better than anything we can buy. Oh, uh, for sure. It's just I just don't want to fuck up the curing part this time. Um, my few talk. few little notes here. You guys are probably not gonna grow anything that's close to healthy cannabis just to start <laughs> off with. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, no, and this yeah, is what right. I'm. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this, is, this is where you're missing out is we want to stress it out. We want to give it some issues. Oh. We want it to have a hard time so that we're getting tons of the cannabinoids just showcasing itself. Mike, just, I got a, a question. Good teacher. He's a good teacher. Mike flipped it on us. <laughs> Mike, yes. do you see, is there like any in the grow industry deliberate things that like, if you do this type of stress to the plant, you get this type of response. We don't have time for this. Or is that strain? Hold on, hold on. Is it strain dependent? And I guess you're just going to have to answer it next Monday night on the page. Yeah! Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Follow Justin on Twitter. You just search my name anywhere. It'll come That's up. If you go to the JustinLasic.com, it'll come up. L-A-S-C-E-K. It's better than his Twitter handle. Yeah, it's way better than Mike's. It's the goddamn worst. Carmichael uh, Lock. No, no, don't. It just makes, it'll confuse everyone. We are doing the smoke and A this Sunday at 5.30 p.m., Pacific Standard Time. That will be me and Billy and maybe fellow friends just showing up and getting stoned and smoking on the Patreon. You must be a subscriber for that to hang out with us, ask us questions, and smoke some lead with us. Is that like a video thing where people are going to talk to you? Kind uh, of. So or are they going to chat and you're going to answer? Live stream, it says. Cool. Yeah, trying to trying to hook you up and sell it. I don't know. I, I was if I was listening, I'd be like, "What the fuck is it?" You were crushing it. You did it. So <laughs> this is awesome, you guys. And uh, if you have any questions, hit up at grownlocalpod at gmail You guys, we are. Oh, real quick, we are 
coming to we're go we had to push the humboldt uh trip i think we already said that oh i wanted to read this thing real quick because i got you know because we were worried about covid because it's kind of a it, it exploded a little bit in humboldt a little higher than normal and uh mike and i started thinking too it's also after harvest so people are meat gathering and they haven't thought about it. and then this guy sent me this this great he said i he got laid off because the facility i was trimming at was being converted to a hanging facility and they asked 10 of us if we wanted to keep trimming the shack they converted had zero windows and everyone was like two feet away from each other at most it was surreal i stopped by to do hanging shifts and there was people with no mask working side by side all temp worker temp workers moving either around Humboldt or the U.S. It's no mystery that the cases have exploded. If you read old comments on cases in Lost Coast outposts being like one to five months, you'd see like, well, why, why can't we open bars? So he was just saying that trim scene fucking went nuts because people just came in and I was like, yeah, that's, I think we made the right decision, guys. <laughs> so... We'll, we're we're replanning. You guys stay safe up there. Wear a mask if you go out. Uh, just stay safe. Grow your own. Start growing your own. Justin, thank you so much. This is one of the best episodes we've done. Rock and roll. Thanks for having me.